Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Jeremiah 33, 14-16 The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days, and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Well, we made it. It's here. We've got the greenery up, the candles, the wreaths. We have finally made it to my absolute favorite season of the year. We are in Advent. Advent was not a part of my childhood, however. The wonderful church that nurtured me gave no attention to the rhythms of the Christian year. Now, we, we, we did celebrate Christmas Sunday and Easter Sunday, but, but there was no lead-in, no anticipation. There, there wasn't any of this kind of season to prepare. And instead, the, the pastor might be just preaching a series on parenting. Then, next or the Sunday before Christmas, it might be a sermon on uh, David's friendship with Mephibosheth, and then all of a sudden, there's Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Okay, I've never heard a sermon on Mephibosheth. I just like saying his name. That's <laughs> It's fine. As I said, I love my home church, all it did to nurture me in the faith. But I do realize that no attention to the rhythms of the Christian year cheated me from a, an internal drama that happens that I have come to love. During Lent, for instance, the 40 days before Easter, we focus on our sinfulness, our inherent selfishness that leads to so many destructive things. We hit the low notes on the piano, we remind each other that we need a savior, and we start moving in that drama, this lead up, this march toward Easter. And then Easter explodes with significance because we've set up the ways we need a savior, and the coming savior makes all the bigger difference. And then, and then this holy season of Christmas, the Sundays of Advent, We've got this other drama playing out, this slow anticipation, this longing, waiting, yearning. This isn't a four-week celebration of Christmas. Instead, it's a stretch of expectancy. Now, anticipation, I admit, doesn't come easily to most of us not in a world with overnight Amazon delivery, but if we do it right, 
it creates this kind of sweet hunger that starts to build in the waiting. This past Thursday, Thanksgiving, a whole bunch of Hollingsworths swarmed on Greenwood, South Carolina. We were in pallets and you had to step over people to get a cup of coffee. But the meal was to be midday Thursday. And because of all the uh, other the in-laws and traffic schedules and all that kind of stuff, we didn't end up eating until about 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock. That's not when I eat lunch. Of course, it smelled like Thanksgiving beginning about 11 o'clock, right? Now, I'm trying to sneak through the kitchen, not getting caught picking off the done parts from the macaroni pie, right? But you get my point. The waiting, the waiting makes the event itself more satisfying. That's what Advent should be doing for us. Melissa is better at Advent than I am. Uh, I, I want to do that Samantha on Bewitch thing, you know, and it just all happened, and the tree up, and cider on the stove with the little, the little cinnamon sticks sticking out, right? Patience, I have been told, is not one of my strong suits, but Melissa is teaching me about Advent waiting. Right now, our house is an absolute disaster. There are Rubbermaid boxes stacked up higher than the tree. There is a small battalion of Santa Clauses. They are not on the shelf right now. They are, they are in every size and era, stacked up on the counter waiting their turn to be put on the shelf. But right now they're next to the spode dishes, the garland, the dozen nativity sets, and an elf. But Melissa finds joy in the not yet, in the, in the build, in the anticipation of it. The week of Christmas, though, I'll confess, our house will look like a southern living dream house. It will be fully realized. But between now and then, it will be Advent. And Advent always starts in a mess. Today we're looking at the prophet Isaiah, Jeremiah, and things are a mess in his story too. Now some of you are like me in decorating. You'd rather we just skip the messy parts of Advent and get to the fun. Many people would rather we just get right to the stars and the donkeys and the shepherds and the cattle who are lowing. I never have understood what cattle lowing means, but... I know you'd rather skip some of this part. But if we did four straight weeks of Christmas, I mean, it'd be like a cruise ship where every night the entertainment is a jamboree. Or like a four-course meal where every course is cake. We don't celebrate four weeks of Christmas. We advent a while. Wait. Coming we exercise restraint. 
Advent isn't done in bows and tinsels. Advent starts in a mess and then starts waiting on that day. Which brings us to our story in Jeremiah. But but there is a difference between the waiting for Thanksgiving dinner and, and waiting that happens in Jeremiah. I mean, I at least knew the meal was going to be at two o'clock. There was something I knew was coming. The people in our story today are waiting in tragic circumstances and they do not know that things are gonna get better at all. Israel's betrayal of the covenant, the betrayal of the promises made to God has led to a complete ruin The army of Babylon has attacked Jerusalem, looted, destroyed the temple, enslaved the Hebrew people, banished them in captivity away from their homeland. Some of you will remember, recently I taught a Wednesday night study on Jeremiah, and we looked at some of the art associated with Jeremiah. And the most famous, this uh, painting by Rembrandt, where Rembrandt is in the, uh, uh, Jeremiah is in the foreground with his hand and his, his head and his hands, and he is in absolute anguish. And behind him is a burning city. All of this in colors of red and black and orange and anguish. But today's story, we have to fast forward a little bit. Later on in the story, chapter 33, the ashes have cooled. New king on the throne. Israelites are enslaved. The king is a tyrant. Their current circumstances are catastrophic. Many are at the end of their rope. They're ready to just roll over and quit. Several have just started unpacking come into peace with the fact that this is going to be our life. Our life is just going to be a miserable future as a captive people. It's absolutely hopeless. They wanted restoration. They wanted a righteous king. Their land returned. They wanted some hope, as we've been talking about. But all they can see is ruin. As I mentioned earlier, I know... Some of you would rather have four Sundays of Christmas. It's a pressure that the culture participates in, that we whip up a a happy season of nostalgia and a jolly ho-ho-ho and just stay busy and on the go and shopping and tinseling and shouting, Merry Christmas. But for many people, your situation is like the folks like the Israelites were, it is not a time of celebration at all, and there isn't a lot of merriment to go around. This room and online, full of stories of captivity and hopelessness. As I said, Advent always begins in a mess. And I don't just mean boxes in the foyer. Some of you aren't ready to pretend that all of life is just a Publix Thanksgiving commercial when you know that you're in the middle of a world gone mad. There's some messy stories in this room. 
and across our digital reach. There is genuine anguish going on and there are exiles on the brink of despair. Jeremiah's early sermons didn't help these people feel better. Jeremiah was the preacher who anticipated the ruin of Jerusalem. Early in the book, he was talking about the ways the people of God stopped acting like the people of God. Their betrayals, the self-serving behaviors, the rejection of righteousness. Jeremiah didn't back off. He kept shaking his finger in their face. He told them much of this mess was of their own doing. And we've got to confess that a lot of our cultural mess is of our own doing too. The the racial divides, the spewed hatreds, we did that. We did that to each other. That's on us. The politics where we declare across social media that I am completely right and you are probably evil, we're doing that to each other. These are divides that we either participate in or allow quietly. COVID was not our fault, but the irresponsible and divisive behaviors just to make a point, that's on us. My point is, not all of our current hardship just happened to us. Some of what we're reaping is of our own doing. Jeremiah preached about that. But then, before the Israelites' anguish turned to despair, he preached this sermon. Right when it was just feeling so heavy, he preached this sermon full of promise and hope. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up from David. And he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The days are coming. Wait, hold on, Advent a while. The promises made to God's people will remake the landscape. Your current circumstances are temporary. The day is coming when God sends a deliverer who will bring wisdom, understanding, and righteousness. God will restore. Advent with me. Because a more promising future is on the way. Do not despair. Anger, anger is active. Circumstantial pain, anguish, all have an active quality, uh, an energy about them but not despair. 
Despair is the absence of any theological hope. Despair has a rotting smell. Despair happens when we just give up on God's promised future. We know the outcome, right? We, we know the outcome of Jeremiah's sermon. Jeremiah posted this theological hope grounded in Israel's history. The days are surely coming. And we know that salvation did spring up from a branch of David. And on that day in the city of David was born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Born in a Bethlehem stable. Come to execute judgment and righteousness. He did come to save and restore. But we also know the other parts. We know the other parts of the salvation story are not all smooth and not all easy. The promised Savior, the realized hope, did not make all external things peaceful and easy and bathed in sunshine. Jesus doesn't function like a Marvel superhero. The salvation that sprung from the branch of David did enact wholesale change on our internal condition and possibility, but not on our external realities. Because since Jesus, there have been heartbreaks and illnesses and wars and famines and storms and tragedies. Our outside world is still hard. But the Savior came to restore an inner life, to reshape our internal reality. His kingdom isn't found on Google Maps. The new kingdom is activated inside humankind. And in him we are shaped in righteousness. Which means hopefully we can avoid future messes of our own doing. In Jesus we find an attending peace and purpose that give meaning to the external struggle. The Savior has come to show us our place, our role in the redemptive story. Participation in his kingdom leads to justice and righteousness and safety. The Savior is come to activate love within us so that we might be an active partner with him in restoring hope to the world. The days are coming. There will be a new king who establishes a new kingdom. He's coming. So advent with me for a while. Our national ideals are in a mess. Church hopes are in a mess. Race relations and civil discourse are in a mess. 
Religion in America is in a mess. They're parts of your story. Family, relationships, finances, health, parts of your story are in a mess too. But Advent always starts in a mess. But the season points to a coming Savior, a new King, who if allowed to rule in your story, will create purpose and power and a redemptive future. So do not despair. Advent, wait, hope. The days are surely coming when a new, God, a new king comes to the throne and God's promise is revealed and hope is restored. Wait and Advent, for a new king and a new kingdom are on the way. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.